Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Rach, what what's in your hair? What's in my... What do you mean? Got, I'm like rocking a, like a very a, current trend. Like a house... You've got like a housewife sort of... Um, <laughs> <laughs> like my nan used to wear. Oh, well, you've ruined it now. <laughs> I like, thought I looked like a bit 50s. Yes, yeah, the woman in Tom and Jerry. That's it. That's <laughs> oh what I'm thinking God. of. That is not kind. I was going for like a 50s cool retro look and you've just shot me down as an old... Didn't the mother in the na- of the naughty boy in the original Fireman Sam wear or something like yes. that on her head? Yes. Na- the ma- naughty Norman's mother. Naughty Norman Price. Oh, I should know her. Uh, Dillis, her name Dillis. is. Dillis. Yeah, it's Dillis. Yeah. <laughs> Dillis I, always Price. Get conf- I always get confused because I, I do the impression of the, the Italian lady. Oh, Norman! <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and but that's that not uncanny. that's not his mum. That's not his mum. You know, Dillis, uh, Dillis is his mum. Surprisingly, remember. lacks attitude towards her pyromaniac son. Yes. <laughs> it's always Norman's fault. Whatever yes. happens in Pontypandy, it's always Norman's fault. <laughs> um, Hugh, I don't know. Just before, I don't know if you realised. Just before we started, I'd obviously I decided I was going to ask Rach about what was what was going on. Uh, and I had to really, really bite my tongue not to ruin it before uh, we started the preamble. So it was more of a, a shock to her. So in the I'm meantime... I'm leaving it in. I'm not going to take it out just because you think it looks <laughs> rubbish. I think I look cool. You do, you do. And we're just bullies yeah. who are... And you two being the height, height of fashion... Absolutely. Fashion oh, yeah, fashionistas we are, got, yeah. Exactly. You've got loads of room to comment on that. I've got a... Off camera, I've got a pair of trousers which are slightly too short, and a pair of uh, <laughs> loafers with no—not loafers, a pair of shoes with no socks on. Oh, oh really cool! Oh, I'm I'm wearing slippers I got off my dad, so you know, there we go. Should we get on with it? Yeah, let's move on, shall we? <laughs> You're listening to the Real Reading Podcast. You thought. I'm Rachel Nemeth. And I'm Tom Canning. And welcome to episode Reading 107 of the Real Reading Podcast. Uh, you can like us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod and you can search Real Reading Podcast Group to join us on Facebook. Um, this week we discuss the headlines, which include cat sized rats or flat sized cats or something like that. Um, the long, long overdue of cladding removal uh, and the COVID marshals. Plus, if you all behave, Rach might do her brilliant impression that she did for me yesterday, which is way better than my Norman Price's mum impression. Uh, so I'm just throwing that out there. Um, um, but in the meantime, uh, here's Jeremy with how you can get in touch with us. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod, and join our Facebook group 
by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, so, guys, uh, very exciting news this week on my street. Do you want to have a guess? What? The excitement on the street this week? Oh, did you have a street party? Socially distanced, of course. No. Oh. Brothel. Um. A, a what? <laughs> Sorry? Discovery, discovery of a brothel? No, no, the cops have not been round. Um <laughs> No, so the, uh, the the excitement this week is uh, I got very excited. I was I was going out for a run the other day, and I noticed there's all sorts of little um, paint spray painted marks on the ground, on the road, on the pavement, and I got really excited because what that usually means is there's a new road surface coming soon. Oh, it's like Christmas, a lovely new road surface around where I live. Oh. Just oh my gosh! But I, I used to, this used to. I, whenever you see the little paint marks and they paint the marks around the little holes in the road, it means they're going to come and sort them out. It's going to be lovely. Can't wait. Very very. I, was very... I think that there's quite an important factor that you haven't taken into account, Tom. Right. Go on. Um, in that, in the not distant future, your child is arriving <laughs> into this world. And if they've dug the road up, that could uh, somewhat impede oh. your. Oh well, that's just after the huddle. Well, that's burst my bubble. Thanks. I'm sorry to rain on your parade, yeah, but um, I'm just I'm just thinking practical. Also, yeah, when... it's, it's great that you'll get to look at all the diggers. <laughs> but <laughs> also, should the little one arrive before the road is dug up, you could have a scenario where they're digging up the road outside the baby's bedroom when. Oh, nap time. Ah, Hugh, but but you you the baby will not be in their bedroom for the first first little while. Do you know nothing about newborn children? Very little. (laughs) (laughs) Apart from the fact that everyone who has them is quite tired all the time. Oh, Rach isn't tired. That is a fair assessment. What did I say? You said to me, "How are you today?" And I said, "I'm tired and my shoulder hurts." Oh yes, that's (laughs) so. Yeah, (laughs) I couldn't remember if we'd said that on air or not. Um. I could, well, I could, no. Do you know what? You're not gonna. You're not gonna take away the excitement of those little markings. It's like little aliens just marking their marking their territory. Gonna come and dig up the road in their big diggers uh, and all that sort of thing. So I'm very, very excited. Well, um, I will. I will hold you to that, Tom. And if you mention the words temporary traffic lights at all <laughs> in a, in a, anything other than a positive manner, then I will can be coming back to you to point out that you were excited by the fact your road's about to get dug up. <laughs> well, so the the thing is that it's almost um, there's all I've got almost pangs of jealousy because the road that I live on in Southcote is a dead end road, and there's a dead end road the opposite side. There's some houses. There's a road dead end houses, and then another dead end road the opposite side. And I think it was last year or the year before they had their road completely resurfaced, and I was very jealous, especially for a road that doesn't get used very much. Uh, I was it was it was very very jealous. But there we go. I think I think from what I can remember, these minor these minor roads the little roads they, do they only take a day or so to do as well so it shouldn't be too much disruption and you'll be quite unlucky if that turns out to be the, the same day that, that your, your wife goes into labor and you... <laughs> yeah. all right well, also think... also you can get out of the road they don't they don't make every no. single person stay there until the work road is <laughs> the work is finished if you could just stop in till the work's done um she could always go to the hospital on the back of a, a digger i mean oh wouldn't that be cool just How like cool would that be? Sat in a JCB. Yes. 
Oh dear. Um, right, shall we? Shall we move on and talk about the news? Because this, uh, I, th- I think that's enough about about road markings. Okay, uh, it's news time. Um, what have we got today? Well, we will start off with the uh, the news that um, some cladding on a set of flats in Reading is finally being removed. This is uh, in the aftermath of the, the tragic, horrific fire at Grenfell Tower in London. Um, the tower that is having it removed is, is Hanover House. On uh, It's on the King's Road. Um, sorry, is King's Road or London Road? I've completely... King's. King's Road, yes. I'm sure it's King's yeah. Road. Going out towards sort of... If you're coming out of Reading, going out towards Cemetery Junction, um, it's up there on the right. And I, it, it's um, it's a former office block turned into flats, which I think is something we're going to see more of. But they had the they have the cladding on that block of flats is that is the same as what was on the Grenfell Tower um, when that fire uh, happened in June 2017. Um, I, I don't know what there is a lot to say about this aside from, well, it's about time. What on earth has taken so long? Um, I've seen some, there are some mitigating circumstances, but I think, um, frankly, since 2017, it's three years later, this feels a little bit too long. Um, would you concur, Mr. Fort? Uh, I think so. Yeah, this has been in the news for since since it was revealed in 2017. We've been sort of updated on it, um, uh, and yeah, and it's only been done now. So I'm no expert in what they had to do to change cladding from one to another. But um, it does seem like if you lived there, if you lived in one of these flats and you knew that yeah. this this there's a potential disaster. You'd be quite anxious, wouldn't you, for it to get done? Yeah, indeed. Um, and there are there are a couple of other uh, there are a couple of other buildings which have stuff already happening: St Lawrence House, Abbey Square, Queen's Court in Queen's Walk, and Crossway Point in Norwood Road. Um, I, yeah, as I say, I don't really know what else there is to say about that uh, aside from, I mean, hurry up, get on with it. Um, Rach, what, what what are your sort of feelings? Um, as I say, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much depth we can really go into. No, I did. I did read the article um, that that we're talking about, and it did sort of mention in there that this was highlighted and work was planned in 2018 after it was originally discovered that 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 cladding was used and needed taking off, but. The work never got scheduled. Like you said, Hugh, if you lived in that f- block of flats and everybody's telling you it's horrifically dangerous <laughs> and yeah. uh, would end very badly if there were a fire. Um, yeah, but we've just not actually scheduled the work until two or three years after it was originally identified. It's, it's not great. There is it's not risk- great, but it just, to, just to add the caveat on that, just we don't know why. We don't know why they didn't do the work. We don't know so. why. I'm only citing the article yeah. from a trusted news source. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think the, there's a couple of interesting things. The car park underneath, I think, was closed um, immediately or, or almost, almost uh, very, very quickly uh, after after the Grenfell fire. Well, uh, so, so that was that was something, and also uh, the building does have a sprinkler system, so that is not such an issue either. But still, uh, you do wonder why. It has taken uh, sort of three and a half years to to make these changes. Um, I think it's fair to say uh, 
just get with it hurry up um yeah so okay um that was very brief oh good, good on us nice and nice and brief um the the second story is uh we would we just wanted to talk about and i got a bit confused because when i first read it it was i think it was flat-sized cats or something like that but basically massive rats um hanging around a uh, group a bunch of tower blocks in coley which is very near me i can see them from from where i live um but they they look massive um and that must be quite horrendous to set you can there was one quote one line in the story about you can hear them in the walls which is like something out of a something out of a horror film um mm. and uh, there are certainly there are plans to build even more flats and houses around that area which would would seem to me to only be about to exacerbate the problem and i know rach when we when we talked yesterday you you mentioned you've had a, a bit of a rat problem yourself without without divulging <laughs> where that. you live specifically <laughs> uh you know because house prices and all but um yeah what what, what was your experience well, yeah but i do I sympathise with these people because it's it's not very pleasant, and you just always assume that if you get rats, it's because your home is less than clean or something like that. But I think my house is fine. <laughs> but, um, it yeah, we had um, some rats. I think they were originally under the decking, which apparently is very common. Yeah. And then they did manage to get into um, the cavity wall of our bathroom, which thankfully is like external to the rest of the house because it was like a late addition. So they can't yeah. actually get beyond that. But, um, yeah, we've had the proper exterminators out uh, who has done what he needs to do. But there's still... It, 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 it's like an ongoing problem. You don't just get rid of a, the rat and then no. that's the end of it, unfortunately. Um, there, um, There's a rather sort of awful... I mean, it's not not quite terrifying, but I can imagine if, if this happened to me while I was going around there, I'd, I'd be just absolutely... I'd be completely freaked out. But uh, there's a quote from Steve Weston, who lives in Riversley Court. Um, he has three boys, aged 13, 11, and 9, and two girls, aged 7 and 5. He says, uh, every block has a problem. It's been going on a couple of years. I don't think we're going to see the end of it, which in itself I think is, is quite something to just know. There's all, they're always going to be there. Um, there are babies to cat-sized rats. We see some during the day. More come out when it gets dark. I was in the kitchen one night, and I heard the bin men shouting because all the rats ran out of the bins uh, and on the ground floor. <laughs> it absolutely stinks. Um, he says he also says he thinks the rats are immune to poison, um, which the which the exterminators are putting down, which is just you know, it just sounds absolutely horrific that people have to live in these conditions. And I know I, I can only imagine what it's like trying to get out of there. If you know if you've if you've decided that right we're gonna we're gonna get out of here, I, I can only imagine how difficult it must be to sort of find someone else to sort of take it over really and 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 move on to to somewhere a little bit a little bit nicer. Um, but I don't know what the solution is. I don't no, know what no. what the homeowners or the council, whoever, I don't know what you can do. Um, and reading that article, it was the bit that struck me because, you know, they can put, there's various types of poison that exterminators can put down. They obviously have to be very careful due to, um, I know that our one put down some very, very potent poison in places where, nobody else children or yeah 
um, cats and things could get to it because what you don't want to happen is that a rat eats the poison crawls off somewhere dies and then a cat eats it or something and then yeah. they in turn are poisoned you need the the rat to die where it yeah die where it dined basically but yeah the bit um there was a bit about um the, them sitting in the car park at night and yes. like shooting them God. as they're coming out can you imagine how terrifying that it must feel like gang warfare yeah. you know man versus rat and just horrible there um there was a there was a rather awful story i wanted to just remind hugh of um from the old tessa road days um hugh were you were you in the newsroom when uh there was a rat that was caught and died behind the radiator oh god that's horrible <laughs> i don't think i was no i think that was just it, before my time there. it absolutely hummed it was uh, oh, you couldn't no. get it because right. if you remember, those radiators were firmly attached to the wall, and you know, I, I suspect if you'd have taken the radiator off, you'd have had to evacuate the building for asbestos. Uh, so you know, the rat just had to stay there. Really, oh, it, was, no. it was horrible, it was absolutely awful. And then I think, if I remember rightly, one day someone um, well, someone I'm turned the radiator on. Some someone ran. Someone turned the radiator on, and of course, that just made the smell even worse. Um, the the running across the desk you're thinking about, Hugh, is at uh, Reach's Lower Thames Street office, which is by the river and has a well-known rat problem. Um, I have never seen. Oh no, in fact, I, I think have that seen, was mice, wasn't it? Mice, or maybe it's then? mice. Yeah, maybe it's not mice. that that's much better, but it <laughs> seems marginally preferable to rats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, possibly, possibly should have put a warning at the start of this one about uh, if anybody was eating to perhaps uh, uh, just you know put the, put down the sandwich and uh, I might I might move this in the edit and put this first. Ooh. I feel but, like yeah. my whole body's like tensed up as we're talking about <laughs> it. We're really on edge now. I could just bearing in mind, Rach, you've got an open door behind you. I could just use your husband, Rich, walking in in a rat costume, and that would just completely uh, finish this off just nicely. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think I, I just I don't know. Yeah, like you say, I think in terms of dealing with rats, I think it's sort of a refuse problem, isn't it? And you've got to sort of have proper uh, ways of dealing with rubbish more than anything. Um, that that was my be... point at the beginning, though, Tom. Yeah. That that yeah, that is a contributing factor. But we haven't got rubbish yeah. in in the garden where our problem started. So, yeah. well, in that case, suggesting well, my garden is a rubbish. Tip. <laughs> I think I think those sort of old-fashioned tower blocks that, that are still used, but are very very slowly being sort of phased out by councils and replaced with lower, smaller, nicer um, developments are very difficult to. Uh, they're, they're kind of havens for rats and things like that because they're old and they can get they can get in the walls and they can get in the bin stores and stuff like yeah. that as well. Um, you know, you know, there's a reason you don't see any planning permissions for council tower blocks anymore. It's because they're outdated and they they uh, they've been replaced by better better accommodation for people. So, um, it's I think it's a very difficult, very it's an awful situation. Um, but like you say, once you've got the infestation, it's very difficult to get rid of it. Um, so there's a statement from the council in the story, isn't there, which says essentially says. We're doing what we can, but there's we need more help with people looking after their bins and stuff properly. Um, so it's kind of a two-way street, really. Yeah. Um, 
noisy, not anything you want. Um, and hopefully the situation there will be improved as time develops. Well, yeah, I mean, hopefully hopefully something can be done, but I think by the looks of things, it, it would appear that it's it's going to have to wait until the new developments are built before anything is uh, is sorted out. So I can only, I, I can only just say I really feel for the residents of the, of the tower block really that's um that's pretty horrific that whatever what they have to what they have to deal with on a on a regular basis so um yeah this, that's probably worth saying as well that the development the council has just given permission to is widely opposed um alok yes. sharma the mp tried to step in um hundreds of people signed a petition um against it and uh you know council housing isn't the sort of thing that people normally protest against um he got um and all the all the opposition councillors on the committee voted against it as well. Yeah. Um it got it got voted through because there were more of the cat of the Labour the Labour administration on the committee, but there was opposition on the committee as well. Um so it wasn't a it's not a popular development, I think largely because of these these issues that they're having in the area. Yeah. So hopefully it'll turn out all right and it'll be nice and uh, people who live there end up living there will not have problems with rats, but um, it will, yeah, certainly was, was not well received. Right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Hugh, for the, for the update on that. Um, so yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully things will start to get a little bit better. Um, but I mean, I guess who knows? Uh, I can't even think of a rat pun to finish this off with. It's so horrific. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, our last story we're just going to briefly talk about was um, about Reading's COVID marshal uh, recruitment program. Um, you can apply to become a COVID marshal. Um, now, I think it goes without saying, this seems to, to me to sound like a completely thankless task, um, a COVID marshal going around um, sort of, keeping an eye on people I, I don't want to use the word snitching but I, it's not going to be a popular role is no it, no you're not going to be a popular person you're going to need thick skin aren't you yeah yeah that's um, not I, one for me i'd cry you also need a you also need a security a security license as well so oh, do you? Right. they are looking they i think the sort of people who will get those jobs of people who've worked as things like doorman and stuff like that. So um those people They are, are definitely tougher than me. Yes, they definitely <laughs> are not known for being shrinking violets. So. No. I think the so so there's a there's a line on on the there's a line in the in the story. It's um from a Ministry of Housing Communities and Local Government spokesperson, um, who said marshals would support members of the public in one-way systems and remind them of the guidelines. They could also give out masks and hand sanitizer in public places. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know the the sort of the general feeling around that is that there's a there's a there's a specific type of person but i guess actually that's probably not correct because as you say hugh though you do need a security license to be able to do this so it, i don't think it's going to be your general sort of average neighborhood kind of i mean you uh, can go anyone could go and get one you have to do some training i think yeah. it's not like you can't get one you, you or i can get one but you have to i think you have to have one um and yeah and it's it's a role of little to no power apart from advi advising and being able to give things to people who've forgotten yeah. their masks and stuff like that. But if 
if you say someone, can you please wear your mask? And they say no, you, there's nothing, as far as I'm aware, there's nothing they can really do. Yeah. So if they if they happened upon a household that had, say, 10 people in there having a bit of a gathering, would they have the power to find them on the spot or is it a warning? I don't know. I don't think they have any power, but I imagine they'd have a way, they'd have a radio or something where they could contact the police if they came across a situation they thought broke. Because the, um, the, new, the new rule of six is a law. Yeah isn't it so police mm. have powers to enforce it but the the marshals will not have any enforcement powers as far as i i'm aware um but i imagine they'll they'll have means to contact the police um largely because they might need it, it as yeah. well if people get take offense to them being told what to do um yeah how do you think, guys feel about the rule of six i don't know i mean it probably seems like a it seems like a smart idea. I think my my personal take on this was reading between and reading between the lines was that it was it's more about being able to break up big unauthorized groups of people rather than slamming down on on having seven people in a room instead of six. But you know, ultimately, we could all do with getting rid of this virus to. Um, we could all do with getting rid of this virus to ensure that we can all get back to some sort of normality, doing all the things we want to do, seeing all the family members we want to see in the same place. So if this helps it, then, you know, I'm all for this it. This won't get rid of it, though. No, I no. the vaccine will... Well, exactly, but it, I guess it slows the spread. and all. I mean, you know, I, I went to a football match last night and there were, you know, there were about 100 people there. So it, it, seem, it does seem a bit strange that you have this rule of six but yet you can still have gather i, I don't know it... how was there a hundred people there how how is that allowed to be a thing because spectators a, yeah because in a in a football ground of the level that i go and watch it's quite easy to socially distance around a pitch um you know so that that's that's why and it, and, it, and football and organized covid secure sports are exempt from this mm. rule of six so you can go and yeah. do it but there's a reason why you can't go to premier league games because uh you know all being sort of sat next to each other on on seats whereas at lower level football there's no sort of mostly there's no seating and you can quite reasonably and easily space yourself out around the ground without too much trouble so and yet i can't spend time with my mum and dad yep. and my brother and his wife and our Correct. children because there would be Eight or nine. Too many of you. Which, you know, seems seems seem, seems fair that, you know, non league football is more important than family. Uh, I'm, I'm constantly <laughs> trying constantly trying to tell my wife this. And finally the government have recognised that this is the case. But I realised, Rachel, you were trying to make a serious point there and I'd rather flip it. Well, it just seems like it's the it's just continuing the inconsistency, isn't it, of what we've well, had in the last six months. That's the point, isn't it? I think I think people would be much more willing to to follow these procedures if they thought um, there was some sort of consistency coming from the government, and also if they didn't have to do things like go to the Isle of Wight to to get a test <laughs> and uh, and things like that, testing, getting tests, and they're, they're talking about rationing tests now for the most severe severely hit areas in the country, none of which are around here. Um, so, 
the, yeah. the testing and the um and the misinformation with around around that is is what basically people are completely sort of losing faith in yeah in what they're supposed to do if if there was a clear message somebody said look if everybody does this you know our scientific evidence suggests that the uh, the cases will go down um and we'll be able to get to back to normal say by i don't know by christmas say and you know and everyone bought into that and believed what they were told then we might go in the start going in the right direction but there's so much sort of yeah. guff, if you like and I, you can do this but you can't do this and you can go here but you can't go here and you can do you can you know all that sort of stuff and like for example you could have more than so you could have more than six people in a group if there is a cash register in in the building uh, or you can set up your own business you could turn your house into a, a home working and you can have as many people as you like in there because it's, it become a business location um so we're going to have christmas dinner in our shop with as many people as we like but they, they'll have to they won't be allowed to leave all at once and they won't be allowed to they won't be allowed to then go into our garden behind the shop I mean, the thing is, I guess in 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 just sort of, I know I know you're being flippant, Hugh, but that I mean, I guess that that sort of thing, it, loopholes, finding loopholes is pretty irresponsible. Um, would, would you say? Would you say that's fair? I'm trying <laughs> yeah, to find loopholes in it. Uh, yeah, well, I'm highlight. Yeah, you can go on a grouse shoot as well. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, yes, um, I understand that. They, they want to do everything they possibly can to not have another lockdown. Yeah. Um, and so, and so that the, the, the rule of six is quite I, I, I think uh, it, loose. I think, um, so obviously we talked about the, the sort of checking in and track and trace at restaurants and pubs. Uh, I think it was last week, didn't we, Rach? We did. um, and, I, and I've, I've been doing that diligently whenever I go to a place and I'm asked to check in and, and all of this, I don't really have any faith in not necessarily the the business itself, but in the whole system working to inform me that I've been in contact with someone who I don't really have faith that that's going to Exactly. Uh, how, like, if, if somebody, how many times do you answer your phone to a number that you don't know? If a number I don't know rings me, I assume it's some yeah. someone trying to get me to do a survey, which I'll then <laughs> sell the results to a marketing company who'll phone me up six times a day um, trying to get my... Uh, get my deep more details up on me yeah um and that's that's not uncommon people don't on their mobile they don't answer numbers they don't know and so and i guess i don't really understand why why there isn't anything on my phone in a track and trace and i know there's an apple something or other on my phone that that needs activating with something on top of it but i so i don't really understand why there's not some sort of app that just tells me when and and where it doesn't you know the sort of the rules that have come in you feel like there's there, there is a technological solution to a lot of this um and it you know it doesn't seem to be uh it doesn't seem to be available to us so um i don't want to spend all all day talking about this but um can, I, it, oh, can I say one I'm, more thing about it yeah of course you can course just can. going back to the testing thing because the thing i'm a bit worried about happening and have already had it happen to friends is that if if Zach came home from Scott sent home from school because he had what was quite likely a common cold, being that we are coming into that season. Yeah. 
and he can't go back to school then until he's had a negative test result, which means that, I mean, a friend of mine spent three days last week tr trying to get an appointment, you know, like on the government website, multiple times an hour for three solid days uh, before she could even get an appointment um, and then had to drive to Swindon to have it done. So, you know, I could potentially end up, you've then got to wait for the results to come back, which I don't know how long that takes, but potentially end up with Zachary at home for a week plus for a cold. Yeah. Which then I'm trying to work as well as look after a child who isn't actually poorly. <laughs> yeah, and you've, only, and you've only got one as well. Imagine if you had two at two, oh, well, yeah. two or even three at three different schools and the scenario being that two of the three are sent home from their different schools at the same time or one after the other or in any sort of combination. Um, and then you have to go through that, that trying to get a test for three children um, yeah. and having yeah. them all off, it, you know, it's, it's a nightmare. I really feel for parents at the moment because you must be thinking as well, have it all, always in the back of your mind at any point your child can be coming home for two weeks. Yeah. It's two weeks, isn't it? Or do you actually need to get them tested, or is it a two week? Is it that or two weeks self isolation? Um, well, I guess the test is preferable because they yeah. can get back quicker. Yeah, get, get, get away. And then get you can, well, and also then you can confirm that we then don't need to self isolate as a family. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Again. So yeah, Rich would um, then have to stay at home and not go to work. You can, yeah. you can carry on working, right? So that's <laughs> Joyous. <laughs> yeah. You don't get any time off. <laughs> yeah, but it will, because, um, you know, I've probably said before, like how they've had to structure the, the shop, you know, with the two bubble teams of yeah. staffing. You know, if Rich had to self-isolate because Zach had sniffed, <laughs> then, you know, potentially the whole of his bubble has to yeah, it's, not it's, go it's in. And going. then the other bubble has to work seven days a week. And it's, yeah. And it, it makes you paranoid as a parent as well. I mean, this morning he was eating his cornflakes too fast and he coughed like mid mouthful because he'd shoveled them in. And I was like, don't cough. Oh my God. <laughs> don't. Like, right. Just some of the cornflakes stuck. <laughs> that, um, that is it for part one. The random question. Okay, uh, it is random question time. Um, so this week's question, just uh, uh, I, I, so we, we've changed the way we do the random question. It's not just a random question out of a mug. I'm trying to theme it off of uh, off of something we're talking about, so it makes a little bit more sense. Uh, but the, the guys don't necessarily know what they're going to be asked. But this week, I've sort of themed it off um, our COVID Marshall story, um, and I'm just going to ask, what would you like to be in charge of right now? I'd yeah. like to be in charge of um, sort of sorting out. <laughs> this is <laughs> really boring. The drop off and pick up situation at school in amongst all the COVIDness. Because <laughs> it's just a nightmare. The school are doing their best, bless them, yeah. uh, to be organised. We've got staggered times to drop off and pick up that people don't adhere to. And like too many cars still dropping off right at the door which makes 
distancing difficult because you can't kind of step around each other on the so I'd just I'd get in there ban the cars from the road and from that it's a dead end road just like park at Waitrose and walk around the corner if it takes two minutes being in, um, being entirely honest, Rachel, I was sort of hoping for like something like being in charge of the McFlurry machine at McDonald's or putting the oh, the, I got a bit serious. Put, putting the thing up the the swoosh pipe at the old uh, Jackson's corner. Uh, you know, oh. like, <laughs> that's the kind of thing I was I was going for. Or you know, being in charge okay. of handing out right, laser, I'm gonna change the laser quest. I'm going to be <laughs> in charge of switching on the wave machine at Coral Reef. Oh, that's a good one. That's mm-hmm. good. <laughs> but I want varying, like I want, um, you know, like a volume control on my waves. I want yeah. like a little gentle one, and then we're going. Are you thinking full on surfing type waves? In there you don't like. Going to go. <laughs> flying up into the rigging of the pirate ship. Does Coral have a wave machine? Does now. Oh, does it? Oh, okay, fine. That one, that's in my imaginary. In your imagination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you, I'll allow you, your, your serious one's fine. I just... Uh... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it was just a little bee in my bonnet over the last couple of days. Oh, no, we, we to get that out there. We, we clocked that. Mm-hmm. The, the listeners clocked that, I, I think. Um, Hugh, what about, what about you? Um, I quite like to be in charge of running FC and the caveat being infinite amounts of money and, you know, no COVID restrictions. So you can give, give the long suffering fans something like massive discounts on their season tickets. And, uh, you know, maybe a manager they've heard of <laughs> and, um, and, uh, some star striker fun yeah. players. Yeah. Um, See, Hugh's um, gone serious as well. Hugh's gone, gone way too serious. This is so, uh, you know. what about COVID Marshall? No. Um <laughs> <laughs> you want it to be silly. Um, well, you know. The bus driver up to Utopia. <laughs> I'm trying to avoid that sounds like to avoid the worst. um That sounds like the worst idea. Uh, <laughs> God, driving the bus. What about you, Tom? Well, um, who's thinking about that? Well, I, well I've, I, I was, um, I, I was, uh, I do think being in charge of the McFlurry machine would be quite cool because I just have McFlurries to myself. But I would also like to be in charge of driving the trains at Beck and Scott Model Village. Oh, bless Definitely. your heart! Absolutely, I'd love to be. Right, that's what, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing today: driving the trains at so Beck Model Village. Rachel wants to go to Bracknell. You want to go to Buckinghamshire. Is yes. there anything we'd like to do in our, our town in this real Reading podcast? We're going to start calling it the real oh. Southeast podcast. What about coming up with the tea towel puns for But Is It Art? Oh, that is, yeah. Steve's really good at those, though. Yeah. Um, in charge of um, like Christmas in Reading Town Centre, because it always feels a bit of, bit of a damp squib, to be do honest. Do you like it to be, you want it to be better? Yeah, I, I want it to be massive. Oh, okay. I'll tell you yeah. why. I'll like, tell you why. Sorry, Rachel. <laughs> I got excited there. Sorry, it's because he thought of something. <laughs> I'd really like to go back and be in charge of spending spend a couple of days in charge of de- demolishing uh, Fry's Walk. So, um, I think <laughs> that'd be a tre- tremendous fun. Uh, operating a digger and pulling down the old shopping centre for a day or two when not like when it's really hot. But 
you know, that would be um, that would be a, a good good thing to do. I was always always envious of people who you know work outside and do do fun stuff like that like that. You'd want destruction, wouldn't you? One a wrecking ball, yeah. A wrecking they, they, don't, ball. they don't exist anymore. But, no, uh, not... Miley Cyrus. Yes. <laughs> But but please keep your clothes on. Amazing <laughs> <laughs> how we both thought of that, Rach. <laughs> right. Um, let's uh, let's leave it there. Um, if you would like to let us know, uh, dear listener, what um, you might like to be in charge of in Reading, you can be outside of Reading as well because um, you know we've broken the rules, so I don't see why you shouldn't. Um, but here's Jeremy with how you can get in touch with us. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, quite enough for this week. We'll be back next week with uh, plenty more. We're still looking for good people to speak to, someone that would make a good interviewee on the show. And if you have any questions, please do get in touch via Facebook or Twitter. Um, if you have a moment, please give us a rating on your podcast app. And if you have time, please submit a review. We will be back next week for more podcast goodness. Bye! Bye! Bye. You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast.